you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal. We are missing our friend Dan Hansis in action, but we soldier on today. Mark Sessler and Chris Wesseling are here with me. We had a night of preseason games. What's up, boys? It's good to be back. Are we, are we excited about the preseason? No. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I am, honestly. I got to say, it was a rush for me. Like, you're waiting for that on that preseason live app. You've got four screens spinning saying, like, the game is about to start. I got some butterflies. It's, we haven't seen this in months. Wesseling, within minutes of the Broncos and 49ers playing, we see Peyton Manning lining up in the, in the pistol formation. That does not get your NFL juices flowing at all. Well, that, you know, I, I do like that kind of thing. The scheme changes, uh, seeing how creative teams are going to be. That's, that's fun. My uh, balloon was a little little deflated when not minutes into the uh, Bucks Ravens game, we have to wait for the ref to go under the hood for a replay. <laughs> yep. Just just seems extraneous in in a preseason game. We should kill instant replay in the preseason. I think everyone would be on board for, with that. Well, Wes tweeted that, and I I almost retweeted it because I found it funny, and then I got distracted, and then I went back and looked later, and people had. They had hammered you a little bit, saying, "You know, the refs need a preseason too. They need to, you know, get their vibe together." I mean, the I coach, guess I see that point of view. It's it's preposterous. Why the refs just jumped right into the season last year at what week four? They did. It was. I don't remember seamless. them needing hood practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Broncos, you know, broke out that formation, and for football dorks like us who are all over the preseason, that was like Nirvana. Seeing Peyton Manning back there, I think it was a surprise. You got the running back behind him. He's only out there for one drive, but it gives us something to talk about. Are we already making too big of a deal about Peyton Manning pistol formation in, in this little change? I don't think so because I think we're going to see more teams that don't have the running type quarterback give this a shot. And, it, you know, we had talked about this a little bit earlier today that Chris Alt even came on NFL Network in January and preached that. Listen, you don't need the read option angle 
to make pistol effective because when you're lining that back up four yards behind the quarterback, defenses can't see the, that running back's first step. And he, he talked about Nevada used it for two years without the read option, and, and they had a lot of success with it. And he even mentioned Eli Manning, not Peyton by name, as a guy that would make sense and would improve the running game of basically any NFL team that incorporated it. Well, on the other hand, that that's kind of why we are making a big deal out of it. It is too big of a deal because it's not about the quarterback then. No. Peyton Manning's running the pistol, but this is purely about helping the running game. And it can right. help the passing game too, though. It can simplify things. It can make it so that their play-action game, it, you know, they have a great zone running scheme. People forget the Alex Gibb back in Denver. That could be a big story uh, this year. And, look, I think the entire NFL sees the flexibility that formation gives you. It doesn't mean it's going to be their whole offense. But the Broncos, you know, they give defenses enough to worry about. And now you throw this into the mix. You got Wes Welker there. You got Julius Thomas, who I know Wesseling's very excited about. I am. I feel like he's that wild card now. He's a lot more athletic than Joel Dreesen. It gives them another mismatch type of guy, potentially. Uh, he took first-team reps all offseason, and now he's he's starting while Dreesen is out. I guess I'm interested to see whether he keeps the starting job. And had a nice game. How how great an offense would that be to be a tight end in? I mean, you're, you're going to be open. Right, single coverage, you're going to be open. You know, Demarius Thomas, Welker, Decker, all taking defensive te- attention away. And and Julius Thomas is one of these new types who was 6'5", 250, played four years of college basketball. He's athletic as can be. Uh, missed two years because he was injured, but the Broncos have liked him since they drafted him two years, three years ago. His emergence really one of the more underrated storylines, I think, of camp. They have a lot of numbers. I mean, because at running back, they're still sorting it out. Ronnie Hillman's still the starter. Monty Ball, you know, there wasn't really any separation there last night. But that's a good tight end group. People forget that they were pretty productive. And you throw Thomas in the mix, who's the most athletic, uh, and they're going to be tough to stop. You know, they were playing the 49ers uh, last night. Did you have any impressions watching the 49ers, Mark Sessler? Well, I mean, you know, initially what I, what I thought was interesting was the team does lack any sort of presence downfield in the passing game. From what we little we saw last night, immediately they were using Vernon Davis in, in the formation where he would come across. He tri- completely tricked the defense where he was going to be. They were thrown to him short. Bolden looked like an immediate fit to me in the 49ers system. Like Kaepernick and him already really, really seemed to have chemistry, but they, they really lack like that ability to strike downfield from what little we saw last night. I can already hear Dan Hansis listening somewhere thinking we don't have enough mirth in this podcast. It's too football hardcore heavy. But I, I totally I totally agree with you on the 49. It's not so much not just that they don't have a vertical threat, but they just don't have a real wide receiver. Give me a wide receiver on that team that's healthy. Just, I mean, outside of Bolden, no, they I, don't have a deep no. they don't have a guy, no. Is Bolden a wide receiver though? No, I think he's more like your inside guy. He's going to do the same thing over and over. He I, shouldn't be playing wide. He's a tight end. Right. I mean, he's a slot receiver, so he's a wide receiver. But he's basically a tight end. I mean, he's not going to get any separation. They're hoping that A.J. Jenkins steps up. That hasn't happened. He's had a rough camp. He lost a fumble. I don't want to overreact to any result of the preseason. I don't really care what happens in the box score, but it's more about who's earning snaps, who's getting into the mix, and they're searching. I mean, they signed Austin Collie. I think Austin Collie's going to make that team. Austin Collie might end up playing a lot for them. Yeah, if he's healthy. I mean, I thought when he played with the Colts, I thought he was more important to their offense than Pierre Garçon was. He was that good. 
I am encouraged that when I got a first look at Kaepernick last night, he had grown what were the makings of a very fluffy beard. <laughs> and no, I mean, I, you know, the, guy's, the guy is maturing. He's obviously growing into his role. Does he still look like the great gazoo? <laughs> I don't know. He looked like a he looked like an adult to me, ready to take charge. But I mean, also the Niners is an, a team like the Patriots. Talk about a team that can completely go into the lab and change what they do from week to week. I, I'm not. I think you're right. The preseason is not going to give us a full picture of what they're about on any level. No, we learned last year in the preseason how explosive Kaepernick can be. Sometimes a preseason can tell you a little bit about something who's some young player that's trying to make an impact. Now they're going to hide things. He's not. It's not going to be right. about him. Right. I, I do agree with you. I, I, the beard was troubling to me. He's kind of that guy who shows up. like every, If you just don't see him for a month, he looks like a completely different person when you see him <laughs> after. They're just people like that in life. Uh, He's also, got that you, power. Got, you guys are hating on the beard? Because I kind of have a beard. <laughs> well, no, and we've got Chris Law behind the glass. Your beard is, you know, it's time-tested, and it uh, gives you an elegant look. You, elegant? I, I appreciate that. I I'll think it's that. more lumberjack. Lumberjack. You're like an elegant lumberjack, though. You're not. You're in a, <laughs> You are wearing a flannel, but it is a. It was a recently kind of laundered flannel. Can, could Dan Hansers grow a good Something beard? About yeah, Hansers. he's the type. I mean, yeah. we're honored to have Chris Law subbing in here, producing today. Oh, thank you, guys. Certainly the most well-known person, you know, in the studio right now oh, because of the Rich Eisen <laughs> podcast, ten million downloads. I mean, they're they're on fire. But you're the type, not not to get on you, but you you're the type that pulls off the beard. I feel like co- people that are in the ESPN body issue, they don't need a beard. They don't need the beard. You, you would not be the choice for the ESPN body <laughs> issue. What does what is, what is Dan Hansis think of that? Because I think we have him on the line. Oh, no. Uh-oh. We're getting surprised, just like we surprised him the other day. Dan, are you there? Dan, can you... You know, it's a bunch of... It's, you know, my ears were twitching, and I was told that there was some heat being dropped on me. So I got to call in, and I got to, you know, defend my honor. Well, you know, you like to steer us sometimes into the lighter side of things and, and into the Jets, and those are two, you know, topics we've avoided so far. No Jets talk, nothing too zany, and, you know, we were just, you know, wondering how disappointed you'd be somewhere listening. <laughs> well, number one, I'm deeply disappointed. Um, you know, someone's got to bring the entertainment end of the podcast. But, you know, uh, more importantly, I was I was laying on Lake LBJ outside Austin, Texas, enjoying myself. Chris Law, I get a call from him. I, I figure there must be something terribly wrong, like maybe I'm his emergency contact or something. <laughs> Turns out it was just Chris Law doing me a solid as a good man, telling me that there was some heat being dropped on me, and there was a lot of, you know, maybe some disrespect over the fact that I'm not at work right now and I'm drinking, um, you know, alcoholic beverages while you guys are working. So I just want you to know that I hear all and I know all and I have sources. <laughs> I'm not sure what heat was being dropped on you. I think I need to go back and listen for that. I think we're just fl- <laughs> frankly jealous. Yeah, You're on Lake LBJ. You guys on Lake LBJ, yeah. please. Are you or are right. you not currently with Cedric Benson? <laughs> <laughs> if I was with Cedric Benson, I would not be in any condition to take this phone call. <laughs> Yo, Dan. I will say, were you guys talking about Kaepernick's beard? Yes. Yes. It's, it's it's the greatest beard ever. I've not, not seen a beard like that since Rocky IV when Stallone was <laughs> training for the Drago fight. And the one thing I will say about that is when Drago, when Stallone grew out that beard, he actually climbed an entire mountain and then beat, it, beat a man that was not human on Christmas <laughs> night on the road. So I am all in on the Kaepernick So that beard. bodes well for Kaepernick, yeah. I have a critical yeah. question for Dan Hanses. But, uh... Yeah, so I don't know. I was called in. I just to 
to defend my honor, but if, if it really if I wasn't catching a lot of heat, then I apologize for coming in with guns blazing. Dan, i got a big question for you here. Yeah. Is there an umbrella in your drink currently? There isn't because I'm in Texas and this is beer country. Got it. Um, as I see my wife right now on, uh, <laughs> on a tube on the lake asking for, for me to get her wow. a beer. Do you have a Shiner so Bach? Now I kind of understand why I might deserve to get some heat right now. Because yeah, exactly. I'm in a pretty good spot right now. It's August. Dan's on his ninth vacation of the year. He's got another <laughs> one coming in Vegas. Football is being played, and he's out there drinking Lone Star beers. We, we should be annoyed at you. We I'm impressed, to be honest. We count off these nine vacations. I don't know. Oh, I'm the one doing the counting. Dan, thank you very much. Go back and uh, say hi to your wife from us. I will, and, uh, you know, guys, keep up the good work. I really enjoy your work. <laughs> so that was Dan Hansis. Thank you, Law, for throwing us under the bus there. See, Law, I like this. takes an incredible amount of initiative as a producer. It's a good point. Well, hey, filling gaps. I like you know, that. He's driving the show. Try, trying to make, trying to bring up the, the boat that is the NFL podcast. <laughs> Ra- raise all boats. Well, kind of like Dan is, is number four on the depth chart here at Around the League. Namdi Asamoa, number four wow. on the San Francisco 49ers depth chart last night. How about that for a segue? I don't, I don't know why everyone is so surprised. He was a subpar guy for the last two seasons in Philly. And it, by name alone, are we excited about him? No. But I thought it was interesting last night that they start three guys, Tremaine Brock being one of them, Terrell Brown, Carlos Rogers, and Namdi Asamoah isn't one of those guys, and they just signed Eric Wright. Let's start doing the math. Eric Wright makes the team. You know, Does that mean Namdi Asamoah is not making the team? It's, it doesn't bode well when the defensive coordinator comes out publicly and says, we still don't know what we have in Namdi Asamoah. We still don't know if he can play. Right. Wow. That's and also, I mean, this is a guy that, what, was it a season ago that he was chronicled as eating sandwiches alone in his car during <laughs> breaks? I don't know what he brings to the locker room. I just don't know. No, I don't either. And to me, he's, he's not really that interesting right now as a football player, but it is interesting that three years ago, Dan pointed this out last night, actually, and he was working from Texas. We give him a lot of I believe he was grief. working until like one in the morning, one too. One in the morning. So, yeah. Dan's a very hard worker. Yeah. Namdi Asamoah and Darrell Rivas, we were talking three years ago whether who was the best cornerback in the league, and if Asamoah doesn't make this team, he might be out of the league. And It's just another reminder how quickly things go in the NFL. Yeah, it was a quick swoon, kind of stunning. One veteran that's kept his career going at a very high level longer than we'd expect is Steven Jackson, the new Atlanta Falcons running back. They broke out last night, their first preseason game. He struggled a little bit. Chris Wesseling, I know you watched that game. I don't put too much stock in the game itself because it didn't look like Steven Jackson was even trying as hard as he normally does. I mean, we're talking about one of the big effort running backs in the NFL. He's always in in tip-top shape. He's using the preseason just as a tune-up. But my concern with him is, you know, I've been saying that he's a major upgrade on Michael Turner. The one concern, and I saw this a couple of times last night, he doesn't have lateral agility. And you see this if you watch the Rams tape and you see Daryl Richardson and Isaiah, Isaiah Peed, and then you watch Steven Jackson, and Jackson kind of looks like the old cartoons where it's a Tom and Jerry chase, and he's skidding around the corner with one leg up in the air, and that's how he turns the corner in the NFL now. But that's been the case for a couple of years, right? I mean, and he's still been effective. He's a guy that kind of changed styles during his career. When was the last long run Steven Jackson had? He didn't have any last year, I don't, I don't think. Did no, he? I just – he's not going to – Turn the corner, and if your offensive line isn't blocking well, they weren't last night. Now they were going against Bengals, who might have the best front four in the NFL. So that's 
we can't really take much from that. But. As an Eagles fan, week one, first play from scrimmage, 40 yards up the middle for a touchdown. Steven Jackson went on us. There you go. W- wide open, though. I'm serious, though. In, in the open field, he's not a guy for a couple years that is worrying anyone. Very true. He is an upgrade over Turner, though. I mean, yes. and they, they've already talked about that. I think you're right, Wes. He, not, I'm not sure he wasn't trying, but they did not put him out there full blast. They've talked about using him more in the passing game. Turner brought nothing to that right. front. If you're using him as a joker and lining him up all over the formation and he doesn't have lateral agility anymore, I don't know if that's going to turn out so well. Well, that's that may be the case. Steven Jackson's a guy that I don't care how veterans do in the preseason because they've been through what the regular season and for him the playoffs are like, and they're not really putting it out there. Football is such a game of effort, you know, that you have to be going all the way or else it almost doesn't make sense. That I don't. It's really hard for me to take anything from the preseason, which leads us to your Browns. Mark Sessler. Well, I, want, I have one more note on the Falcons because I caught some heat a couple weeks ago when I labeled them as a boring franchise, just a boring operation. <laughs> yes. But I, and, and for me, it was a mystery, like I said, why I felt that way. And it, it came, it hit home last night very clearly. It is the way that television broadcasts look like from that dome. I don't know if it's the color on the carpet, the way the whole thing looks. It's like a massive sleeping pill. I cannot watch Falcons games without becoming snoozy. I think that's true of all domes. They're just not as fun to. It's not not as fun to watch the game. It doesn't show up on television as well. I agree. Saints though are a fun team to watch in general. You're not worried. Falcons always have been that team for me too. That when they're on national TV, you're like, really four or five games for for the Falcons now. But now that they got rid of Malarkey, brought in Dirk Cutter, they got Julio Jones. I mean, they're, well, they're I think a that's the point. It's not the team; it's the environment. Put them outside in a gritty situation. I'm more onto it, but <laughs> yes, onto the Browns. Dan, I mean, Mark loves his teams to be running for three yards up the middle in the mid- in grass, <laughs> like Peyton Hillis. It, you know, an offense built around Peyton Hillis is really. I like the elements. That's the it's type called of tradition. Offense. And, and we might have a, a hard-nosed team in Cleveland this year. I know all the writers in Cleveland, they see them score a couple touchdowns you know, in the preseason, and they get very excited about Brandon Whedon, and they had a nice first night. Mark Sessler is feeling, feeling the love. Well, you know, not all of us can simultaneously root for the Patriots and the Saints, Greg. So, you know, <laughs> these guys in Cleveland that have covered that team for two decades, Tony Grossi wrote a, a column last night that I thought – was appropriate. He basically thought it, you know, he couldn't even explain what he saw because for the first time in a preseason game in a while, they actually put a few drives together. But we shouldn't overstate it because, you know, they're playing against a very vanilla defense. But they, I thought Whedon, he looked accurate. He made good decisions. Last year, what you saw him do was pat, drop back, pat the ball repeatedly, and then often have the ball tipped or just throw it nowhere that made sense. He seemed decisive last night to me. That was the that was the difference I saw in Whedon's play. You seem conflicted though. You in in your logic in your head, you know that it doesn't mean anything, but in your heart, like Browns fans out there, you couldn't help get a little excited. Sure, as a Browns fan, it's like you I, I do think that honestly, if that team were to turn it on, it would be one of the better stories in the NFL. And you'd see a lot of people come around to say, you know, you're right, what the team's been through, uh to see them flip it around and start to win would be exciting, but it's far too early. The, the, the cynical side of any Browns fan is let's emerge unscathed from something other than a 4-12 and season before we even start to you know, conjure our imagination. See, even the mild excitement, the preseason to me, for, and I hate to be a buzzkill for Browns fans or anyone else out there, it means nothing. 
I mean, nothing that happens results-wise is going to tell me something. Maybe some players emerge, like Deion Lewis of the Browns. He's a nice story. He's playing well. Now we're learning that he's probably going to be a part of their offense. Looks like I he think might, so. He might, you think he's going to be the backup to Richardson? I think he's a complimentary back, which frankly they just didn't really have last season. They see him as like their poor man's Darren, Darren Sproles yeah. just to use in the passing game. Right, and, and he made a nice touchdown catch. Whedon was protected very well in that game. I'd like to see what Whedon does when he's not protected. That's he, a fair point. Led he, the NFL in batted passes last year at 6'4". Which is inexcusable considering his stature. That's yeah. right. I thought Mingo was the other guy I'd look at and say, Oh, yeah. You know, listen, they've drafted a ton of guys who just, it, you know, week after week they make no impact on tape. He's athletic. He made he, he he got, you know, past his blocker a couple of times. First game out there, I was encouraged by that. He looked very good. Actually, it reminded me a little of Chandler Jones in the preseason last year. I do think you can learn something from the rookies. Uh, they played the Rams. Tavon Austin wasn't really uh, a factor here. Do we think that, that Brian Schottenheimer and the Rams are just kind of keeping Tavon Austin under wraps for August? I think from what we've seen in Brian Schottenheimer's history – we have to question whether he's really in the lab. Uh, <laughs> whether anything's under the wraps. <laughs> right, right. I mean, what we saw from the Redskins last year, to your point about the preseason meaning nothing, there was so much kind of hand-wringing about RG3's boring preseason. He hadn't done much. And then they take the wraps off in week one against the Saints, and by halftime you realize the Shanahan's are brilliant, that they've masterminded this whole offense and shown nothing in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Schottenheimer angle is starting to pick up some steam. We've mentioned it a few times on our site where it's what is it that Schottenheimer is going to produce if he's going to pull a a Shanahan-type transformation week one? Because he is who he is. You look where he came from, not only in his roots with his father, but through his career. He's been a guy that is not a push-the-envelope type of offensive coordinator. But I think also with Austin... They weren't going to game plan to try to turn him no, loose no. last night, and that's a fair, you know, that's that's fair on their angle. I think if anything, they'd want to do that at home, or they'll wait a couple weeks to see how he reacts to defense. Yeah, I don't think they'll show anything with Tavon Austin in the in the preseason, and this is an offense that needs a creative offensive coordinator because as much as I like Chris Givens, and you have Jared Cook, who's always been talented but not always productive. Uh, you have an okay quarterback trying to get better. You have a mix you know, of running backs. Looks like Daryl Richardson's going to be the starter. Isaiah Pete had a fumble last night. You know, These aren't guys that have been around and you know their roles. You have to figure out all of these guys' roles. I think Chris Givens is going to be the number one receiver on this team. I mean, Sam Bradford, you, you, know, you can knock him a little bit, but he had one of the prettiest you know, passes you will ever see to Chris Givens last night. And if he's protected, he can throw a big-time vertical pass. They're going to need Schottenheimer to be creative because their personnel on offense, this, these are all space players. Givens, Austin, both the running backs, uh, Cook, you're going to have to scheme to get these, uh, get these guys the ball in space. They're not going to power through people. This isn't like going to be a base offense. So Schottenheimer is going to be very important this year. Well, the other thing is on the Rams, the very young, I think it was football outsiders that noted that their running back slash wide receiver groupings have less experience than any of the last four expansion teams that came into the NFL. Wow. So, yeah, it's like coaching is extremely important with that team. And Bradford, who's cycled through one coordinator after the next, does he have his best one right now? I think we're all concerned with that. And the Rams have a lot of potential, especially on defense. 
and you see this on the offense, and if they can't flip the switch, it's a shame. And I, I think they're a team on offense. It would not surprise me if they're one of the worst five offenses in the league, and it wouldn't surprise me if they take a huge jump. I just think they're one of those teams you don't know what you're going to get. I think the defense is going to be very good uh, either way. Another defense you know, that we watched last night that's had so much turnover is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Chris, you watched that game a little more closely. What did you see from that defense? I think three takeaways. One, Daryl Smith was a great free agent signing. A lot of teams missed the boat on him because he's coming off an injury-prone year at age 30. This guy can play, and he could be their leading tackler. Uh, Second, sticking at linebacker, uh, Doomerville was a big free agent signing, got a lot of publicity. Courtney Upshaw looks like the starter there playing on early downs, and they'll split that position. Doomerville will come in on pa- on passing downs. And then the third thing, Matt Elam isn't starting yet. The first-round draft pick, uh, James Ahedabo, is the starter. And this is something where every time Harbaugh mentions the position, he does talk about Ahedabo. He can't be written off yet. We don't know that Elam will take that starting job. That surprised me, too. I and mean, we, we had a list yesterday of rookies to watch, and I really, from everything I had read and everything you heard about Matt Elam was like, the guy's going to, he is your week one starter. It may not happen tonight, but it's going to happen. And he really was in there at the end of the game, if anything. He, let, he, he closed the game with like the, the lowest guys on the roster. I'm not sure why, but um, I, from everything you hear, they like him. So I'll be interested to see what happens in week two for them in the preseason. I mean, it's a big, big disappointment for them if Ahedabo is starting in week one. But your point on Doomerville is really interesting because it gets me thinking about what that team's going to look like on third down. You got Doomerville on one side, you got Suggs on another. You can move Haloti Nada around. I mean, that's a pretty dangerous group. I, I think Doomerville's loss in Denver was the biggest you know mistake by any front office in the entire offseason. I think he'll have a big impact. You know, and don't forget they picked up Chris Canty, who looked great last night. Marcus Spears. I don't think there's any question this defense is going to be better than it was last year. They were only what 18th or 19th in defense last year. Well, it's it's it comes back to Ozzie Newsom. That guy goes he goes out and he finds his type of players, and they don't have to all be 22. They don't have to all be hardened veterans. He gets a good mix, and it's funny that in March everyone who knows a lot about football was raising the red flag and freaking out about the Ravens, and here they are. They look a lot better than they did last season on defense, in my opinion. I totally agree. Uh, one other item we're going to hit from last night that we that we found out was an injury to Plaxico Burris. Looks like he's going to miss the season with a torn rotator cuff. Obviously not a big impact this year. There's no guarantee he was even going to make that team. Uh, but it just got me thinking about Plaxico Burris a little bit and just what a interesting career that he had, kind of as Heinz Ward's you know, partner in crime. They let him go. I think he was one of the best free agent signings of the last decade. His first three years in New York, he was such a difference maker, averaging over a thousand yards, uh, averaging about ten touchdowns. And his performance in that NFC Championship game against the Packers, to me, is one of the best. Can you think of a better performance by a wide receiver in a playoff game than Plaxico Burris dragging Al Harris all over the field in five degree weather in Lambeau Field? I get your point. It was a dominating performance against a cornerback who was thought to be among the best among the best in the league. But yes, Larry Fitzgerald's whole playoff run to get the Cardinals to the Super Bowl. That's a good was, one. Was was more dominant. I'll I give think. you that. I think with Plax, he could have he could have made a lot of teams better this season. He could have produced this year. I understand on, on the Steelers, like he wasn't looking like I to would, be more than a fourth or fifth I guy. Know. I would argue heavily against that. Well, I, I don't think, think he, he 
he wasn't even on a roster until December last year because nobody wanted him. I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have made the Steelers roster, and I think he would have been sitting on the couch all year. I still like him as a red zone target. I'm not talking but necessarily if, a thousand yard guy, but but if you don't play special teams at wide receiver, and you're only in the red zone, you're you, if you're a roster ornament. I'll be sad to see him go. <laughs> Let me. Maybe it's more like I. Plaxico was a stealer. He burned the Browns a hundred times. But it's like I liked him as a player. To me, he was the most one of the more misunderstood guys. Smart guy. He's going to be remembered, um, you know, for shooting himself in the leg while wearing a sweat, you know, pair of sweatpants at a New York City nightclub. I just wish people would remember more than that. So let's pour one out here for Plaxico Burris's career. Not Probably an alcoholic have. beverage because we're at work. Dan, Dan can do it. Dan, yeah. can, Dan can take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Pour your yeah. Shiner Bach out, Dan. All right, before we, we go, we've got our, our only weekly segment right now, although we're, we need some help, Chris Law. So All right, you tell me. A, after the show, you know, we're, we need to come up with more weekly segments, but we need some sort of sound effect here to go along Ooh. with our weekly segment called the Metrics Mindbender. This is a segment... You know, we talked about a few times before, basically some story that we wrote that seems like it should be a stupid story. And yet America, you know, seems to just fall in love with it. We can't really understand why that is. Uh, One of our loyal listeners suggested that we should send this out every week and have the guys guess what story it was. So I'm going to give you guys, Chris, actually, we'll give you Glock and jump in here. Mark Sessler, three options here. Which story here? did the best and was was the most popular this week. All right, I'm going to start with early Doucette cut by the Seattle Seahawks after only four days. That's that's option number one. Snooze fest. Brandon Boykin says that the Patriots bullied the Eagles at their practices. That's option number two. And then Brandon Moore decides not to join the Dallas Cowboys and stay in retirement. I am guessing that America is embracing the fact that the Patriots were bullying the Eagles. All right, that's Wesleyan's answer. Law? I think I'm going to go anything America's team rates well. i got to go with the Cowboys story on this one, I think. Good strategy. That's smart. Sessler? I wrote the bullying post, so I, I would put that as number one just based <laughs> on the the way it was presented, the structure. <laughs> By the way, these were all stories this week because I had no idea. I, it, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I, 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 th- these are these can't be our highest stories. These Not are, only were they stories, but they were all extremely popular. They weren't the three highest stories of the week, uh, but they were all up there in the top ten. People were all about early Doucette. Yeah, Although well, he is not the answer. The 12th man, they track very well also. Their their fans are crazy. So if you write something about the 12th man. We need man, to start treating right the them. Seahawks like we do the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris Chris had a 10-minute <laughs> long rant about NFL media's over-coverage of the Jets. I'm, a, I'm with you, Chris. That may have been my first tantrum in the NFL Network. It was so <laughs> Yeah, so we decided no Jets talk in, in this show. Uh, the answer and uh, the winner here, Chris Law, Brandon Moore, and the Cowboys. You're right. All, all Cowboy stories tend to do well. They do tend to do well. See, I kind of used inside knowledge there to... to, to Narrow the field. <laughs> but they, but they, all, they all did really well. That's why I chose them. And the Brandon Moore story, it was like it was Anthony Munoz almost coming out of retirement. People <laughs> right. were, were hammering that thing. It stayed as our top story uh, for a long time. That about wraps it up here for the show. 
We missed Dan, but I'm glad, uh, La, you sat in. Thank you. I think we're going to get Rich in here, actually, uh, one day next week for you guys. That would be great. Come in, chat a little pigskin with you. That would definitely add some class, credibility, and talent to the the mix. (laughs) Quality is sometimes missing from this production. Oh, please. Oh, I'm just being honest. You guys are good. I'm looking at your numbers. They're all coming up. I mean, you guys are new, right? This is week two or three? This is like week two and a half, two second and a half. full yeah. week, yeah. yes. It's great the way it started, too, starting on the back end of Damashex, kind of getting uh, established and people to know you and then flowing it in. It's the, it's we the are the Joni Loves Chachi of podcasting. There you go. We're kind of <laughs> like Beavis. I have a Beavis and Butthead spinning off from uh, you know Simpsons, am I right? No, no. I don't know what I'm no, doing You know here. what's a great spinoff that's going to happen, I'm <laughs> I hearing? just blew that. Uh, season five of Breaking Bad is coming out, the final season. They're going to spin off Saul and do a series on the lawyer Saul. See, that's a smart spinoff. Yeah. There have been a lot of dunderheaded spinoffs in time, but that one, there's the, some the brains Dwight behind Schrute that. The Beat Farm one got, got squashed by NBC. That was going to we'll be We'll never know. That would have been, I wanted some behind the scenes of that. Yeah. So we hope that we're more like the Saul spinoff, less like the uh, Joey from Friends spinoff. Yes. And, uh, or the Ropers. The Ropers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we, I think we got to close on the Ropers. For Mark Sessler, Chris Law stepping in, and Chris Wesseling, I'm Greg Rosenthal. That's it. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.